Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behaviour, sleep and more. Maram Ismail is a podcaster, radio and online journalist with SBS Arabic 24 and a mother to one three-year-old daughter. She's Australian, Palestinian, Jordanian and married an Egyptian man. Together they live in the western suburbs of Melbourne. Maram recently did a podcast series called My Arab Identity for SBS Radio. In it, she talks to different Arab Australians about how their identity has been affected growing up with two very different cultures. It led Maram to think about her own experience being an Arabic mother far from home. Hi, Maram. How are you? Good, Siobhan. Thank you for the opportunity and hello to all of your audience and listeners. How old were you when you first came to Australia? Uh, I think I was um, 20 years old and um, there was like a funny story behind me taking this decision. Like after completing my high school in Jordan, I decided that I wanted to study journalism. So I was obsessed by telling stories since since I was a child and I told dad that the only university that taught actually a quality course in journalism was two hours away from home by public transport. So he refused. So I picked another degree, which was Applied English, which offered a couple of journalism subjects and um, was very close to home. And after graduating, uh, my dad encouraged me to do my master's. So I agreed under one condition to do journalism. So he agreed, Siobhan, for me to do that. But um, he wanted to send me to one of the American universities in Dubai or Egypt or Lebanon but I really wanted to go to the UK, but again, he refused. And so I, I refused to do my master's until he came with another option for me. And he said, how about you go to Australia? Like, <laughs> Which is as what? far as you could get. <laughs> I know, it's so far away. Like, you didn't want me to study two hours away from home. You're sending me to Australia. I'm like, <laughs> the only connection with Australia was that my eldest brother migrated to Australia three years ago and like that's it (laughs) and I don't know anything about Australia so I thought about it and then I said okay why not I just worked on my papers my enrollments and I I enrolled in journalism at the University of uh, Technology in Sydney and um, as soon as I arrived to Sydney my brother said "Um, you're gonna live with me so my mom at that time she was coming just to you know, like to drop me off and see if I'm okay with everything. And I said, I'll go back with mum if if I'm living with my brother. I'd rather live the whole experience and live on campus. So my dad agreed and, and this is how it started. <laughs> wow. So you moved to Melbourne several years ago and started your family. Were you ever daunted knowing that you were going to become a mother that far from home? Of course. <laughs> I was crazy, actually. I, I never <laughs> thought, actually, that I'll be staying in Australia. Mm-hmm. I tell you that, like, I was planning to come for two years, finish my master's and go back. And I found a job in social work. So it's away from journalism while I was doing my master's. And I started working in one of the NGOs um, in Western Sydney. So I loved that. I loved social work and um, I got more connected to the country and started to learn more about the culture and 
it was a very rewarding job. And then I got my job in SBS radio as well in 2013. So I became more connected to the country. But that the hectic lifestyle and the busy lifestyle that I lived actually made me feel more responsible and like I liked life in Australia, how I can become an independent woman and, you know, like make a difference in people's life. So I liked that. So I stayed here for more. And then um, eventually I, when I decided that I was feeling like I miss my family so much and I'm going back home, I met my husband um, who's like Australian Egyptian and we dated um for like more than a year and then uh, like he he asked me if I would like to spend the rest of my life with him and I and I said yes because I think I think it was meant to be but everything since then started you know as if you're fast tracking a movie so we we got married in 2015 late 2015 and then we moved to Melbourne I got pregnant in January and then I lost connection with my friends, my work, my community, my loved ones. You know, people that are really called family here in Australia. And this was like, and I was pregnant. And I, I wasn't prepared at all that I was going to fall pregnant. So I think emotionally it wasn't easy. Was it difficult, do you think, because you moved from Sydney to Melbourne? Would it have been easier had you stayed in Sydney? Uh, I think it would be because I had a lot of like a large network, um, a lot of friends, a lot of people, you know, like a lot of um, relationships with people who would really be involved in my life and help me and support me. But in Melbourne, I was just like as much as I loved Melbourne, I really wanted to live in Melbourne, but I didn't have much friends in Melbourne or I like, I stopped working and work was one big part of my life. It, it made me, it, it makes me feel that I'm alive and productive and I stopped all of these things and I stopped being active. So I was just, you know, it was a very overwhelming period. And then I think that the hormones in the pregnancy kicks in and and not having my mum around me to learn about the things that I'm going through. I didn't even know where you can get a good GP, you know, to go and see and discuss things. I think I hid a lot of uh, emotions that I was going through during my pregnancy because I I just didn't know if it's okay to speak about them or not. I don't know if I, um, I fell for depression or not, but I know I wasn't myself. Um, I rem- but the only thing I remember that I was praying to God for the first few months to give me a baby girl. I really wanted a girl. <laughs> and it a worked. Child. That worked and out. And it worked. <laughs> I think as soon as I found out that I'm like I'm carrying a baby girl, I think everything started changing. I started imagining my life with her, that I won't be lonely anymore, and um, the things that we we would do when we when when she comes to life and you know she's growing up and everything started to change them but it wasn't easy really i think having a network of people who can care for you and support you is really important um especially if you don't have anyone so in sydney i have i had a like i have a brother but in melbourne i had no one would you um, do you know from your time obviously living in jordan what would have been different had you been at home when you fell pregnant? 
Oh, it would be much different because, because, again, because having my family, like I have two older sisters who actually, you know, gave birth to children. I've got my mom, I've got my aunties, my extended um, family. So everyone will be coming and, you know, like spoiling me, for example, or cook for me or, um, you know, tap on my shoulder if I'm not feeling well today. But I didn't have this here. And I was actually maybe ashamed of what I'm feeling because, you know, I I thought like a lot of people would be, um, would love to be in my place and felt pregnant. But for me, it's just like why I'm feeling this way. I couldn't explain why I'm feeling this way. And every time I'd go to the GP, she'll say it's your hormones or or something. And I, I wanted to celebrate what I'm feeling with someone. Of course, I have a beautiful and supportive husband. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't like be like, you know, moving on day daily. But still, I miss that um, girls gang, you know, that woman talk, having your mom. And especially that my mom, like um, after I got married, we, we found out that she's falling for dementia. Mm. and um, going down the track of um, Alzheimer's. So I couldn't even call her and ask for advices or anything. It was just like hearing her voice will just give me, or how are you, how's everything, that will give me, you know, like the push that I need. But I couldn't talk to her really in deep conversations or anything. And my sisters wouldn't know, like, what does it feel to live in Australia or something. Like, you can't explain something to people if they don't live it themselves. Like, it's very different, isn't yeah, it? It's very, it's very different. Away. Very, very different. So, so yeah, like, um, I had to pull myself together and, like, with my husband's support and, you know, like, doing some volunteer work on the side because I couldn't find a job in the beginning and, like, walking around the house, trying to explore Melbourne. I think, yeah, I was just waiting for the day that I give birth and meet this person and, like, change change everything in my life. I was waiting for her, but it was a very lonely, lonely period, I guess. We spoken before and you mentioned that your mum and your mother-in-law both came um, mm. and supported you for the first three months. But, of course, mm. three months uh, is still very young. What was yeah. it like when they went home? Uh, so my, my mother-in-law arrived first. She actually arrived Australia from the airport to the hospital where I was delivering. It was uh-huh. a coincidence. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, she actually, she was, having her there was amazing because I was confused, I was scared, and so she taught me a lot about, you know, giving the shower to a very, you know, small baby, and, like, she was cooking for us and helping us with everything. I really feel grateful for her help, and then she had to go, and then my mom and dad came, and, um, again, because my mom mental um, health wasn't at her best my dad stepped in which is really I never thought he would be able to do that because I've never seen that in our culture or like you would rarely see the grandfather going and supporting with a really baby like with really young babies because it's not it's just not in the culture so he was there like I would prepare the milk and then my 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 dad will mix it and my mom will feed Joanna and I'll go back to work. So I went back to work when I delivered Joanna. So she was four months old when I went back to work. And when they left, I just felt so lonely. 
But I made a promise to myself that I'll do anything it takes to provide her with anything she would need and I'll go out of my way to provide her with anything and you know like I should I should do it on my own whether I have help or not I've lived in Australia on my own I've survived a lot of things in my, on my own so I should it's the time now to show all the courage and bring out all the experiences that I have to support this child and I'm I'm very like at sometimes, you know, I feel like I'm giving her, like I'm a soft mother. I'm giving her so much love, and I'm worried that I'm spoiling her so much. But I, she just, she just have me and her dad. You know, like she doesn't have anyone in Australia. And if, if I don't, if I, if I'm not her mom and her friend and her sister and her auntie, she would feel so lonely. So I don't know like, what else I could have done. Um, Oh, no, no. You, you're doing exactly yeah. what you should be doing, Mary. Yeah, We're I there to love I'm our here. children. Yeah. You shouldn't feel at all guilty about that. Or, yeah. No. So have you been back with her, back home? So we, we went home a few times now. Like we will take her overseas to Egypt and Jordan every year. We'll go for a month or so. And um, it's amazing to see her playing because I, I have like eight or nine nephews and nieces overseas. <laughs> so when she's around them, it's just so beautiful to watch them and I don't, I really like it's my time to have some rest because my sisters will look after her my her aunties uh, my mother-in-law my mom like she's she's all over the place she loves it and um, <laughs> that's a bless that's a bless and what are the other are there any things now she's older we all know as children get older in some mm. ways it gets easier in other ways, it gets harder. What are yeah. the things that are still challenging about having your family so far from Jordan and Egypt? Mm, I think um, one thing that we were trying to work on, me and her dad, is for her to speak Arabic. I think, um, we, like she speaks English, uh, obviously, but we want her to, uh, to be able to speak and understand Arabic because um, not all of our family members actually understand English. So we want her to be able to communicate. So this is one big challenge for us to to be able to get her to speak the other language. And I know it's really good for the brain as well to learn, you know, different languages as they're growing up. So I think if we have more people around us from family members here who speak Arabic to her, I think she'll master it quickly. But this is one thing and um, like other things like, you know, the social events, you know, like in our culture, we have Ramadan, we have Eid celebrations that are really big in the Middle East in here. Like I'll be working on the Eid and her father too. And like, I don't really think that she's like, we try to do the atmosphere at home, but it's not the same as, you know, having other people, you know, who are celebrating these and talk to her about stories and childhood stories of them doing the same thing over and over. I think it's not the same, but we're still trying because we think it's really important to have this connection with your culture and your original or mother um, identity. And, um, yeah, so I think having those people around us could have made our job easier but nevertheless we're just going to keep trying and get her to embrace both like the Australian culture and the Arabic culture and um, you know to avoid the clashes of the mixed identity later on. What do you think are the benefits of raising her here? 
Oh, look, Australia is a beautiful country, Shimon, and it's a very unique country, and it has everything we need, and it supports, you know, the most important thing for me that it's a country that supports one's dreams and ambitions, and I'm forever grateful for for this country that respected and gave me opportunities to follow my dreams and, you know, meet some amazing people. I guess it will work even better with, with my daughter who was born here, and so I guess like having having this experience or having my child in Australia is, is a bliss as well because there's a lot of support for for people that we actually don't have overseas and I really like that. I, I would like her to live a healthy um, lifestyle and follow routine and I really like that about the Australian culture like you know there's time for everything and the, we organize everything and uh, we get to experience different things and different cultures and it's just amazing. How do you think other parents might help migrant families raising young children in Australia? I think for me, I guess they will have to be patient and try to create a strong relationship with their kids, you know, unbreakable bond, I call it, and trying to offer emotional support to other families, you know, social support to each other is one thing I found really valuable addition to learning from other parents' experiences. So, and to raise awareness more about the challenges that children with mixed identity face in Australia who come from um, migrant background, obviously, or any other countries, you know, it doesn't have to be Arabic countries. We released at SBS Arabic 24, as you mentioned in your introduction, my Arab identity podcast, where actually second generation Arab Australians speak out about their mixed identity and being accepted in the society and the obstacles they face belonging to both Eastern and Western cultures. So, so this podcast, Siobhan, explores what it feels like to belong in two places and nowhere at the same time because you won't be 100% Australian or 100%, you know, Egyptian or Jordanian or Palestinian or Greek. You just need to search for my Arab identity and subscribe and listen if you understand Arabic. And for non-Arabic speakers, the English stories are available on our website, SBS Arabic 24. Maram, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for coming and talking to us today. Thank you. Thank you, Siobhan. That's Maren Ismail from SBS Radio, and we'll put links to her podcast, My Arab Identity, in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.